Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. I'm so glad today that you're here with us so that you, too, can thrive in your life and in your business. We appreciate you being here with us on our journey as we all strive to become thriving entrepreneurs. You know, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes our journey towards thriving, towards being the entrepreneur we've always dreamt of, or maybe even more than what we've always dreamt of. Sometimes it's really easy. Other days, mm, it's tough. Have you ever woke up, um, you know, and wondered of yourself, what did I do today? <laughs> or at the end of your day, you know, you're like, what? I don't know what I did. And yet you were busy the whole day. You're exhausted. You know what that feels like as an entrepreneur, don't you? We want to be here to try to hopefully help you find some place in your life where you really feel like you're thriving, where you just have that overall sense that life is good, that you are an entrepreneur and you are thriving. We uh, attempt to bring all kinds of different of our best-selling authors, insight, um, high-end professionals, lots of really super cool people to help us be able to express to you just how great it can be to be a thriving entrepreneur. And one of the areas that we often struggle with, um, all of us, so, you know, it's, it's myself, and I'm sure all of you listening are all in this basket, and that has to do with taking care of ourselves. You know, you've probably heard the phrase, self-care is not selfish. Have you heard that one before? Yeah, you probably have too. And there's probably a lot of times when you've even said that to yourself and then turned right around and not taking care of yourself. Am I the only one that's ever done that? Yeah, you've done it too, haven't you? Yeah, I understand completely what it is like to know that you need to take care of yourself but not do it. Whether that be um, taking a little break. Um, you know, in my book, I talk a lot about learning how, as an entrepreneur, to reward yourself. How to give yourself the rewards that you hopefully, when you then have employees, would give to them. You know, it's really easy to honor somebody in our company when, we, uh, when we're a manager or even when we're an owner that does something really great in the company, you know, to say, thank you, I really appreciate that, or wow, you did a great job, or this person had the biggest sale ever in the history of our company, or this is the top salesperson for the quarter, or this person has more positive reviews in customer service than anybody else in the whole company. Um, those kind of things are really easy to acknowledge in others, but we really typically don't tend to do that for ourselves and so days weeks months years go by and nobody's given us a pat on the back because there's nobody to give us a pat on the back the only person working in the company is yourself 
or maybe you're a really small firm, or maybe you have a business partner that you work along with. A lot of times, and you know, I mean, you all know that my wife Kathy and I work together, um, so I, I'll be the first one to say, you know, I'm guilty of this too. Um, it's real easy to take your partner for, you know, for granted. Um, even sometimes take advantage of them, you know, not because you're intending to, you appreciate that person. And, you know, if your partner is your spouse, obviously you love them, but, um, they're there, they're stable. They do what they do with grace and ease. And, um, you just come to count on it. You just expect it, right? Just like when you do something with grace and ease, you discount it in your own self because after all, that's not that tough. I do that all the time. It must be really easy for everybody. Have you ever made that excuse about something that you did really well? Have you ever had somebody tell you, hey, you did a great job, and you're like, huh, it's no big deal. <laughs> we all do that, I know. And I, I wanted to take a break there for just a second for that to sink in because it's so easy to take for granted to people in our lives and even more, even more so to take ourselves for granted. To look at that person in the mirror. You know, I love Michael Jackson's song, you know, I, I'm asking the man in the mirror to change all of that. But a lot of times, as entrepreneurs who are really getting it done, who have a unique brilliance and are putting it out there in the world, we don't really need to ask the man in the mirror to change. What we really need to do is throw that person a party. We need to celebrate how amazing that person looking back at you in the mirror is that's getting it done, that shows up to work every day, that works those long hours, you know, that takes that call too early in the morning. You know, you get up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning because somebody overseas wants to talk to you, or you take a call at 9 or 10 o'clock at night, or you reply to, you know, I'm just going to reply real quick to this Facebook post because it's so easy and I can answer it and I can really help somebody out. I know I'm the only one that's ever done that, right? We've never done those. Yeah. Um, I get it. I've done it myself. And this is not to call you out, but rather to acknowledge you in a way that you're probably not doing for yourself. To give you credit for all that you do. For how powerfully you show up in the world and how much you do in the world. Somebody needs to cheer. So after you've learned how to be your own cheerleader, um, you know, so that you're really showing up powerfully for yourself, the next thing, the next level of that, beyond just congratulating yourself, is to actually reward yourself, to actually give yourself rewards for all that you do, for the things that you show up so powerfully in the world. So let's let's break this down really clearly. Um, you know, you would give somebody that gives excellent customer service in your company a bonus. You know, maybe you would give as a uh, incentive to your sales department, if you hit this goal, uh, you know, you're going to get this free weekend in wine country or, uh, you know, whatever that might be. 
And then the way to do that is to set those in place first for yourself and then actually do it. <laughs> and that's the funny part about it is, is that, you know, we tend to then not budget for that, um, not think about that, and we just blow past our own accomplishment. So this is where we need to get really good at the art of rewards, of, um, you know, physical things that we're going to do because remember, we're setting up a process in our company. So we need to reward ourselves. And I really hope that every single one of us will really put that into place. Um, that we will incentivize ourselves and then come through with that incentive. But we do face a, a slippery, slippery slope when it comes to those rewards. Because a lot of us, the things that we do to reward ourselves don't really serve us. Let's be honest with it. You know, when we when we do begin to reward ourselves, a lot of times we reward ourselves with things that don't really serve us. So, um, you know, we do something that's mind-numbing. We, um, you know, sit down and we binge-watch a television show. And I'm, I'm a total proponent of it. I actually have a really close friend of mine that's an evangelist that travels the world. And she intentionally schedules in her schedule um, certain times throughout the year where she just goes completely dark. She doesn't change out of her pajamas. She eats 100% comfort food. And she binge-watches... Um, at that point, it was videos when I was working with her. Um, these days, I'm sure it would be Netflix or something like that. But, you know, and for like a 48 to 72 hour period, she just is totally a vegetable. And those kind of things are really good. I encourage you to put those into your life. Um, but often when we reward ourselves, they're not on purpose like that. They're more of, okay, so now I'm going to do something for me. And so then we, we sit down and without intention, we, you know, binge watch an entire episode or, you know, five seasons of a show. <laughs> and next thing we know, um, you know, several days have gone by and it doesn't have that fulfillment for us. Um, that we expected it to. Um, another even easier version of that would be food. Um, a lot of us are very food motivated. Most of us in the world really, in one way or another, are food motivated, whatever your thing might be. Um, and so we will reward ourselves with chocolate. Um, we'll reward ourselves with a decadent meal and those kind of things. And again, done on purpose and in the right way, that can be very powerful. But if, you know, you set for yourself a goal that you're going to do 10 calls today for new clients, you just, um, you know, you're going to do like Sandra Yancey talks about, and you're going to put up 10 sticky notes that have 10 names on them, and you're going to call each of those people, and when those 10 are, are done, you're going to reward yourself. Um, and then you turn around and what you do is you reward yourself with, you know, a bag of chips that you eat while you go on to the next project. <laughs> I know. I've done that. Have you done that before? And so we need to be really careful with the way that we're rewarding ourselves. So if, again, 
you want to have food be the reward, you know, a bottle of wine, um, a nice dinner. Set the reservation for a specific day. You would do it if you were doing it for an employee. You know, you would go and buy gift certificates at, um, you know, a high-end restaurant in your area. And, you know, that physical, tangible prize that you can show them becomes very incentivizing to them and can create, you know, like with a sales team, you know, you can get the competition going back and forth of who's going to get to go, you know, kind of a deal. Um, do the same thing for yourself, uh, but be careful about those those kind of slippery slopes. And so all episode long, we're, we want to talk about yourself, your personal self, and the things that you can do to really... Um, A, reward yourself, take good care of yourself, and B, um, just internally in your day-to-day life, take good care of yourself with uh, diet and exercise and proper sleep. Um, We're going to talk a little bit later in the episode about, uh, you know, sleep and and that kind of thing. And so I just really hope that you'll stick with us through the whole show. We've got a best-selling author that's going to share her entire book that's based on helping with uh, that one element that has to do with food. Um, And so I really hope you'll stick with us. We want to really help you today live as a thriving entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelp.com. Youthrive.com. Check us out and find out how you can be a best selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. So, you know, we're talking today about you thriving, about you really living the best version of your life inside of this life of being an entrepreneur. And we really want to tackle some of the aspects of that. So, of course, first up, let's deal with the elephant in the room, food. I don't know about you, but I like food. Um, It's probably not something that is uh, popular or trendy to mention in modern society, but let's face it, food is delicious. (laughs) Um, It is definitely delicious. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I'm joined here with Angela Johnson. She's going to actually talk about her new book, Diabolically Delicious, (laughs) Um, and talk about some of the things that we run into when we want to have a better relationship with food, but maybe we can now move it from a want into a reality category. So thanks for joining me today, Angela. Thank you for having me, Steve. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, I love the name Diabolically Delicious because I think there are some foods that, I don't know, if you told me the devil made it, I wouldn't disagree. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly, and sugar is the main culprit, I tell you, uh, it's in everything, and we're so addicted to it, and you know, that's kind of where it came from, Diabolically Delicious, because it's, you know, it's so good. You know, most of it is just so good, but it's just, oh, this is the devil. I know I'm going, I'm just, I'm just going to hell in a handbasket for eating this dish, <laughs> you know, so, so it's just, you know, it had such, um, I, that's just how I felt about it when I uh, created the title, because it's like, this is just, this couldn't be good for me, you know, and, but it's so delicious. And uh, that's kind of like, uh the essence of everything that, you know, that came, that came up with the title of Diabolically, Diabolically Delicious. Um, yeah, I love it. I, I'm looking here at your cover, actually, as we're talking, um, you yeah. know, and you've got the dichotomy between really delicious French fries, onion rings, cheeseburgers, <laughs> um, and <laughs> kale is one of the things that I see. <laughs> right. Exactly. So even with the cover of my book, I wanted to basically show the, uh, the whatever the word is, I don't know, but bottom line, the difference, the contrast, um, the stuff that we struggle with on a, on a daily basis is the choices that we have to make. So, of course, all the flowery, sugary, sweet stuff sounds really, really good, but we know it's not always good for us. And then we turn around, on the other hand, we have all the healthy stuff, the fruits, the vegetables, and, you know, the whole food that we know that are nourishing to our bodies, but we always have to choose with every single bite. We have to choose what we're going to put in our mouth. And so nine times out of 10, especially if we have a propensity to be addicted to food, we choose the other side. We choose the stuff that's going to make us feel all warm and fuzzy and comfort us and all that kind of stuff, as opposed to the doing the right thing most of the time and taking the stuff that's going to totally nourish our body. Uh, we'd rather consume the stuff that's going to just, you know, to our demise, <laughs> but that's just how we're programmed and nobody can, you know, basically uh, deny a wonderful dessert or some fabulous comfort food. It's just, it's just what it says, comfort food. Well, and, and I don't know about you, but do you ever find yourself walking down the aisle, you know, and you've even gone to the right store, you know, you went to Whole Foods or someplace that's supposed to be, you know, quote unquote, good for you. Um, you're lot, you're, but you find yourself walking down like a chip aisle and you just, are, <laughs> right. you know, you're, you're like, if I could just only find that good for you chip. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's no such thing. <laughs> There's really no such thing, but I get it. I was in the grocery store yesterday and I usually do, I'll do like Facebook live videos where I am going to the grocery store and on Facebook live, I'm answering the questions that a lot of my viewers may have. And so we go through and, you know, I had, I just did one uh, recently and they were asking all these questions about different stuff. And when I was showing them the labels of these items, they were just devastated. They're like, you mean that's not good? That's not good. You mean I can't have that? Well, you can have whatever you want. But my main objective, even with this book, is to give people options. And it's really difficult to totally, totally abstain from sugar, flour, and all the, you know, all the diabolically delicious food that we eat. It's really hard to abstain from that. But the more you know about what's in an item, the better choice you can make. So if you know 
beyond a shadow of a doubt that you want this super ooey gooey whatever dish and you not knowing what's in it you really don't care but when you're knowledgeable of it you tend to have more of a pause you tend to kind of think about it a little bit more you're like you know what Mm, I don't want to put poison in my body today so I'm going to opt for the healthier choice and that's usually my main objective in letting people know and just talking about this all together is that, you know, you can do stuff whereby you can treat yourself every once in a while, but just know what's in it. Know what you're eating. Know that you're choosing to have poison today. Well, and I think a lot of times they actually make it easy for us, except for the fact that, you know, you got to flip the food over. Well, I mean, and that's the nice thing about an apple. You know, you don't have to put an ingredient chart <laughs> on an apple. Um, exactly. But uh, And you will never find a label on an apple <laughs> other than the barcode. <laughs> you know, but when you take that package of whatever um, and you flip it over and as you're reading through it, you can't pronounce well, any of the words, but especially most of the words. It's That's probably right. A good Absolutely. Hit. <laughs> to leave it alone. <laughs> right. Because it's not natural. And, you know, most foods are made in the lab anyway. And so you have people who are paid big bucks to go in there and decide how much sugar is going to be in an item, how much sodium is going to be in an item. And if it's not enough to make us want to come back for it, they have to go back to the drawing board. And that's just how it is. So all the food companies and stuff like that, you know, that's their job. That's what they get paid for is to um, basically make the food so appealing that we have to come back for it and crave it even more. And that is what you find in the majority of the prepackaged foods. And so usually my rule of thumb, which I think is kind of standard, is that if you if the item has more than five ingredients, you kind of want to leave it alone. And most of the time, if it has beyond five, then that's where you start to get to the things that you can't pronounce. And if you can't pronounce it, just leave it alone. And the majority of food that we eat, it has this huge laundry list <laughs> of ingredients that is like, I don't even know. Where did this come from? Like, what does that mean? And a lot of it has different forms of uh, sugar has like 50 some odd different, you know, uh, names. And so it's always hidden. And that's where we get basically we get uh, bamboozled, if you will, because of all the different names for this stuff. And sugar has so many different names a lot of times and we don't even know what this stuff is called, but it's in disguise. And that's how they sneak so much stuff in. But it's a fight. It's a struggle. And I think that it's a common struggle. I think that some people don't even realize the struggle. A lot of people blame themselves for being addicted to this food. and They don't know why. Well, it's all chemical and hormonal and it just messes us up. And we're just like, I don't know why I'm craving this. You're two o'clock in the morning. You should be asleep. But I want a pizza. I want, you know, the sugar. I want some ice cream. No, you don't go to sleep. So it's just um, we have to fight it. It's a daily fight. And because food is a absolute necessity in our lives, we can't live without it. We have to have it. And if I might say, I'm going to just give a little brief example of like, just say the alcoholic. Everybody knows that if you know that someone is an alcoholic, you're, you know their struggle. You know how they try to stay clean. They go to 12-step programs, all this stuff. And if I know you're an alcoholic, I'm not going to say, hey, you should have a drink. You've been sober for a year now. Treat yourself. You've done so good over the past few months. You deserve a glass of wine. You can do it. So we're never going to do that to an alcoholic. But to the person who is addicted to food, 
same as alcohol because they can't live without it. It destroys their lives sometimes. The person who's addicted to food, they're on a diet plan. They've lost about 50 pounds. They're looking great. They've abstained from, you know, all things diabolically delicious. And then you see them at a party. Like, oh, my God, you've been so good on your diet. Have a cupcake. You deserve it. Who do- we do that all the time, but it's the same. It's the same type of addiction. And it's very hurtful when you think about that because it's like, what am I going to do? I can't live without food. I can live without alcohol. The alcoholic may think they can't live without alcohol, but at the end of the day, they totally can, but they can't live without food. So I always like to give that analogy for people to really put some things in perspective about that. And unfortunately, uh, you know, mom, I love you, but the truth of the matter is, is it's often our mothers <laughs> that are the ones. Oh, absolutely. You know, you walk in the absolutely. door and it's like, oh, look, you've done so good. You've lost weight. Here, have a cookie. Or I made you these. <laughs> right. I made you, you fudge it. for Christmas. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And the funny thing is, is that we associate food a lot of times with love. And so from childhood on, you know, we're being treated and rewarded with dessert. And, oh, you want some ice cream today? How about some cookies? When you come home from school, there'll be a nice dish of hot chocolate chip cookies waiting for you on the counter. I did it with my children. You know, after they got out of school, what do you want? Let's go get some ice cream. Okay. I mean, that's just how we do. And that is our way of showing love a lot of times is from, you know, by giving sweets. I mean, it's wonderful. You know, Christmas time which is coming up, it's like, oh, my gosh, that's just food central, you know, like, oh, my God, we're going to make all this. I'm going to make this. I'm going to find the, the best recipes. I'm going to be creative. I'm going to do stuff I've never done before. And all of it involves something that, you know, that we should not be having. So it's uh, a nemesis that we can't live without. And it's just we just have to learn how to really manage it throughout throughout our lifetimes. And like I said before, for those of us who have a toxic relationship with food, it can be a very, very daunting challenge. And it's not fun. It's very hurtful sometimes. And it's just, what do you do? And it's very lonely a lot of times because you really think that you're the only one that's going through it. And uh, there's a lot of secret eating and there's a lot of shameful eating and there's a lot of dialogue and there's a lot of guilt. I mean, it's everything. It's like, who wants to live like that? So the best way is to figure out how to manage our lives in this world of food, because as you know, everything that we do, if it's a party, if it's a baby shower, bridal shower, wedding, meeting, event of any kind, sports event, you know, musical event, anything, there's always food. You cannot escape it. So what do we do? We have to figure out how to manage it. We've got to find a middle ground. Mm, absolutely. Well, to help us kind of finish things off here, um, there's a ton of great things in the book, and people need to get Diabolically Delicious by Angela Johnson in order to get all of the tips. But here on the show, um, just give us one tip of something that somebody could do right now today to help them with their relationship with food. Right now today, I would say go to the grocery store. Find your favorite snack, turn it around, really look at the label, and just think about what's in there. And if you want to, go look up what those names are. Take a picture of the label. And just look at it and just understand that all that is fake. It's nothing real. And it just kind of puts things in perspective, and it gives you a better choice. So I would say today, just go to a grocery store. And just take a look at a label, a food label, something, your ice cream that you like or whatever your 
favorite dessert is, go check it out and just see like, wow, I didn't really know all that was in there. I like butter pecan ice cream. So I'm just figuring it's butter, pecans, cream. So I would think that would, <laughs> that would be it. But then you turn that label over and it's a ton of additives and chemicals and stuff that's in that ice cream that makes it taste so good. So I would say start there just to just basically to get you on the road to starting to read labels. Oh, and I must say this, when you are reading labels, you want to always look at the ingredient list, not the, not the nutrition label. So the nutrition label is a top that has the numbers. But if you look at the ingredient list, that actually tells you exactly what is in the, that particular item because the, the nutritional label will have zero sugars. And then you'll go down to the ingredient label and it'll have about three or four different forms of sugar. So that's one of the biggest things I can say to start with because it's, you know, it's knowledge, it's understanding, and then you can begin to make better choices when you do your shopping. Again, the book is called Diabolically Delicious, Our Toxic Relationship with Food. It's by Angela Johnson. You can get it on Amazon today. Another one of our best-selling books. Angela, thank you so much for spending some time with us here today. And thank you for having me, Steve. I appreciate it. I really appreciate insight into food because it's something I personally struggle with. Um, you know, I've been pretty open on the show about the different um, aspects of my life and the struggles I'm personally currently having with food. And I've talked with different guests. Uh, one of the more impactful ones, if you'd like to listen back, you can listen to the couple of episodes that Lisa Nichols was on. Um, you know, she was on during the course of her transformation where she lost over 80 pounds. Lisa looks so amazing now. And, uh, you know, one of them has a whole bunch of positive um, you know, statements that she makes. They're actually recordings that she has made available to you that you can do to really write your mind. And they're interspersed throughout that interview with uh, Anthony, uh, the coach of NN90, the, the program that Lisa was running at the time, um, or that he was running that Lisa was kind of helping promote. Um, and then again, uh, you know, Lisa and Anthony were on together with me live about six months later, after Lisa had lost all the money and or all the all the weight, not money, <laughs> and uh, you know, and really we're talking about the lifestyle that is living healthy, um, and, and there's a balance to all of it. But I really do encourage you um, that motivational end of things, that reframing of your mind, is a huge piece of, uh, you know, of any success that you're going to find, um, when it comes to food and it doesn't matter whether you are looking to lose weight or not. I was actually at the doctor's office at a, at a, at a checkup that I was having. And my doctor said to me, she goes, you know, it's kind of amazing actually, because I have people who, um, are very thin that, their numbers are just off the chart. You know, they they have diabetes and high blood pressure and high cholesterol and all those kind of things. And when you would look at them, you wouldn't think so. Um, and, and I have people who are larger. Um, and she was actually talking about some of the numbers that I have that are good and some of them that are bad. And, you know, we won't go into detail with my whole medical evaluation that day. But she said, you know, you can see where even though your weight is way over where it should be, she was nicer than that than what I am, um, you know, that 
uh, a lot of these other numbers, you know, your cholesterol and your blood pressure and stuff are really doing well. And so the reason why we want to deal with the things that are off and deal with your weight um, in a way where we make you healthy, you just eat and live healthily as opposed to worrying about it as weight, uh, by doing those things, we can then naturally bring uh, the things that aren't into order back into order, as well as keep the things that you're doing right, um, you know, right. And so um, I found that really insightful. And, and I know that, uh, you know, you can really gain a lot of help from both the past episodes we've done here, as well as other things, keeping in mind, taking care of yourself, to not falling into the trap, but knowing that you want to live as a thriving entrepreneur. And in order to be able to do that, you need to take care of yourself. And a lot of that begins with what we put in our mouth. I wish it didn't, but it really does. And so let's all live together as thriving entrepreneurs and do that by really having a plan to live and eat on a healthy basis. Can we all do that together? We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Today we're talking about living as a thriving entrepreneur. Um, You know, it's really easy to say, but it can be a really tough process. I was so delighted in that last segment to be able to talk about Angela Johnson's book um, and about the fact that, you know, sometimes food really is diabolical in its deliciousness. Um, You know, as I said in that interview, I wish, I wish there was like kale that was out there or something in the chip aisle that you know, it was just good for you. You know, I, I remember a comedian, uh, a Christian comedian actually one time was talking about the fact that, um, you know, what he likes to pray is, uh, that God will take this Cheeto and turn it into a carrot stick on the way down. Um, and I really do wish that it worked that way more than, uh, you know, having to have to eat healthy and, and read ingredients and stuff like that. But since it doesn't, um, you know, let's take just a little bit more time to be good to ourselves and think about what we put inside of our bodies because your body is the temple. It's the only physical structure that you have to house all the amazingness that is you. And, um, you know, and you need to take care of that. And I want you to know as I'm saying this that 
uh, the age-old concept of when you point the finger at somebody else, you've got four pointing back at you. Um, I, I'm really maybe in a lot of respects preaching to myself as much as I am to anybody else. I know that it's very easy to make excuses and to have life spin out of control, be out of control, stay out of control, <laughs> whichever way it is. Um, and so I'm right there with you, and I'm trying to learn this too. We can encourage one another together. Um, in fact, feel free to join in on this conversation. Go hashtag thriving entrepreneur and then post, I struggle with, and then fill in what it is that you struggle with. Um, you know, maybe for you, maybe it's not food. That happens to be my Achilles heel. Uh, maybe for you, it's, um, you know, kind words to yourself. There are a lot of people I know that their biggest struggle in life is how tough on themselves they are. Um, I told somebody that I was uh, working with, it was a little while ago now, but um, earlier this year, I, I said to them, I said, you know, there's nobody in this world, because we had talked enough that I knew this, and I said, you know, there's nobody in this world that's going to ever beat you up as much as you do to yourself. And so what you need to learn how to do is create a process that allows you to see the good that you've done in life. So I'm going to even share with you the uh, assignment that I gave to him um, that I hope he's still doing um, because it would be really good for him. Um, I suggested to him at the end of every day to take a notebook and in that notebook write down three to five things, at least one, but preferably three to five things that you did right today, that you did good, Compliment yourself. You see, a lot of times we're so busy looking for positive reinforcement from people outside of us that we end up never really being okay because we're never going to get that reinforcement from the people outside of us that we really need. Sometimes people are there for us. Absolutely. I don't want to discount the times that people have been there for me in my life um, and the times that they will be in the future totally happens. But I also, uh, you know, want you to understand that sometimes when you really need a cheerleader, there isn't anybody there. It doesn't mean anything personal. It doesn't mean that those people don't love and care about you. Sometimes they just don't know. But you're there with you and you have to build this skill of, you know, as I talked about in the opening segment of being your own cheerleader, but more so of really emphasizing the positive in your life. Because if you don't do it, and, and this is why it's so important to do it at the end, the very last thing you do, pretty much basically before you hit your pillow, your, your head hits the pillow. Because um, if not, you know, if you have conversations about bills that need to get paid tomorrow or, you know, what tasks do we need to take care of with the kids or all of the millions of practical things that we as married people do um, at bedtime um, that have nothing to do with our relationship. They just are purely the business of marriage, if you will. Um, you know, it's real easy then to go from that conversation, uh, maybe even if you have a bedtime prayer together, um, 
you know, but go from that conversation to sleep thinking about that stuff. And so your whole night uh, sleep is predicated on whatever that last task and and even worse yet if it's that uh, failure that you felt or experienced or that place you really blew it you know um, you know there's an old piece of marriage advice that says to never uh, go to sleep angry um, and more than anything the reason why that's so important is because when you end on that note you then spend the whole night and you wake up the next day typically with that reinforced even stronger in your mind. And um, and if you're not married, it still works just exactly the same way. You know, if you're playing over in your mind that disconnect that you had with your boss, with a coworker, with somebody in your life, um, you know, when you wake up tomorrow, it's not going to feel better. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Lily Anderson Brown, um, Lily's such an amazing mentor in my life, um, and I remember when she told to me, she said, why, she, she had a, um, a, a habit in our office where when negative things happened in sales calls, we didn't share them. We could talk about what things we learned from the downtimes in those sales calls, but as far as just sharing the negative, you know, this person and they were blah, 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 you know, because what she said was, was that a positive experience for you? Do you think that by sharing it, it's going to make it any more positive for you? What impact do you think the sharing of that had on the person who heard it? Do you think it was positive for them? Or do you think now they also have the negative experience of having experienced that through you by proxy? It was a very powerful way of running the office and... Um, and difficult sometimes, you know, because sometimes you just really need to to release it. And there are ways to put that into process. I'm not saying, you know, uh, push it down deep and button it with a smile. But, um, you know, a lot of times in that sharing, we just reinforce it. And the best place to, to really think of that is when, when we're going to sleep. We reinforce that negative over and over and over again. And we go to sleep angry about that thing. I know that's never happened to anybody but me, but, you know, uh, pray for me as you hear what, what I go through sometimes. Um, and if you ever experience that in your own life, then you too can, uh, can have a habit. But, you know, so you take instead and you end your day on what are the three to five positive things that happen today? At least one but preferably three to five, and you write them down. And here's why you write them down. Um, you know, now, there's all kinds of scientific studies about the fact that, um, you know, when you write something down, you're, like, exponentially times uh, more likely to remember it. Um, it also um, kind of solidifies it in our lives. And so you really do need to, um, you know, really be able to to let that thing go and to really put into yourself positive reinforcement. But here's the other reason why it works. The next morning when you get up, um, hopefully if you've ended on a, on a 
positive note, you don't wake up in, in a funk like you would if you end on a negative note. But um, the next morning when you wake up, you need to start your day off by reading those things. Go back through and look at what went right yesterday. Set yourself up for success by emphasizing, you know, yesterday, here's some stuff I did right. It's really easy for any of us to beat ourselves up over all the stuff that we know we could have done more with, done better. But what did you do right yesterday? And take a minute and just really emphasize that in your life. And see, so there's that part, and I promised you we were going to talk about this, um, there's that part in the middle there that's called sleep. And you need rest. You don't just need a little bit of rest. You need peaceful, restful, nourishing sleep. While we're asleep, our bodies do some amazing, amazing things. Our body rebuilds. Uh, you know, recalculates. Um, it's where we heal. Um, you know, and there's just so many amazing things. Um, often I've heard people say, you know, I wish that life had a reset button. And really, we kind of do. During our sleep is when we can reset. You see, um, as Ernie Villanueva would say, he even said it on the episode here, um, you know, Yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. And today is the only legal tender we have to spend. And so by maximizing while it's called today and starting that off with the positive from yesterday as opposed to, because I promise you, you know, all of the stuff you got to deal with today, it's going to hit you. It's there waiting for you. You know, you're going to check your email and your Facebook and all of those kind of things and all the stuff. It's going to come. Take a minute to look back. That way you're really having that good sleep. Because the number one thing, um, you know, beyond food, beyond encouraging yourself beyond all the other stuff that you can do for yourself, the number one thing that you can really do to take good care of you, to live as a thriving entrepreneur, is your sleep. Is to get good sleep. To have good, deep, weird, random dream kind of sleep. Not the kind of sleep that, you know, you need an ambient in order to force you to it, but the kind that happens when you've worked a really good full day and you're tired and you lay down and you peacefully and restfully sleep all night long and you wake up, whether it be to an alarm or naturally, either way, ready to tackle today. That's the kind of sleep that, that I want for you, I pray for you, I wish for you, I hope for you every single night. And the more that you can set yourself up for the success of successful, peaceful, restful sleep, the better everything else is going to be. I know it seems kind of weird, 
that something as simple as laying down and sleeping could be such a huge key. But when it comes to thriving in your life, and then in turn thriving in your business, nothing is going to go quite as well without that sleep. And everything will be just a little bit better when you get the right amount of sleep, when you learn how much sleep you need, when you learn the cycle of your body, meaning you don't force yourself to stay up late because you're supposed to, or force yourself to get up early because you're supposed to. There was a time in my life, um, right before Kathy and I got married, where I had a life uh, where I slept from 3 to 6 a.m. and p.m. every day. And that six hours of sleep, I was... I really, sometimes I think I was at the very top of my game. That was when my body needed to sleep, and that's when I slept. And I worked and showed up powerfully and ran the company that I was running at that time, had some amazing business partners, and we did some great things in the world. And it all started from getting the sleep that really worked for me. And that's what you need to do, is figure out what's going to work for you figure out how to be able to release all the things from the day. Tell yourself what you did right today and go to sleep on that. And then in the morning, hit the reset button. Look at all the things you did right. Let all the things you did wrong just go. Don't even talk about them. Just look at the things that you did right and then step in powerfully to your day. And by doing that, you will live as a thriving entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. I appreciate so much you guys spending some time with us here today. We really want you to live the best life you can. Uh, you know, that's why we registered the domain name We Help You Thrive. That's why the show Thriving Entrepreneur is so fun and so special for me is because I really do love helping people thrive, to thrive in their life, to thrive in their business, and to help you live as a thriving entrepreneur. Um, you know, it's, it's really important to me. And so today we wanted to cover just a few basic things in really living a thriving life. And, you know, first of all, we talked about being your own cheerleader. 
about, you know, being there for yourself, regardless of who else is there for you, you can be there for you. And then secondly, we talked about rewarding ourselves to specifically give ourselves bonuses, um, you know, certificates, prizes, make it fun to work for you. Um, you know, I said to Kathy the other day, I said, you know, you've got a mean boss. You need to tell yourself that you can be nicer to you as your employee. And, and I encourage all of you, you know, don't be harder on yourself than you would be on any of your other employees. Treat yourself nice too. And then, and then, uh, Angela talked to us about, uh, you know, our food and about how to really, uh, know what to do, what to eat and, and eat things that are nutritious for us. So they really we're feeding our bodies as opposed to, um, you know, rewarding ourselves with things that really aren't a reward. And then I talked to you about several things that had to do with really capturing the good in life with the whole point of what I was saying in that really being sleep, getting good, restful, peaceful sleep. And I hope that all of you will be able to learn how to really capture the good from the day, let the bad go, and live in a place where you sleep well. Really, all of us need to have that good sleep so that we can be the best version of ourselves. Um, you know, and so we we really just wanted to spend some time today talking about you thriving. Because here's the thing, you're so important and special to this world. You have a message. There is somebody right now that wants the message that you you can give. They need the information on things that you do so easily and so well that you've discounted it. You don't even give yourself credit for how good you do it often. And there's people that would just love to have that information on how to do those things with the grace and ease that you do them with. And I really appreciate those of you that you have put yourself out. And I really love that we get to run our group Best Sellers Guild. You just go to bestsellersguild.com. It's a free Facebook group that allows you the ability to be wherever you are on your journey of writing your book and becoming a bestseller. Whether it's just something that like 80% of the people in the world, you know you need to get done, but you just haven't gotten that round to it yet. Or whether it be something that you have completely done and you just now need it to be a bestseller. Or maybe you're a best-selling author. Hey, we want you to come join us too. Share with us the things that you've learned, the things that, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? You know, we always say, if I had known then what I know now, I would have done. You know, and so we all come together as a group and a community at bestsellersguild.com to help one another really thrive and grow and be the best version of ourselves. And I want that for you. I want you to be the best version of yourself so that you can share the most of yourself with the world. And our world can be a better place. Because in the end, isn't that really what we really want when we're, when we're striving to thrive? Is to make our mark on the world. Yes, absolutely. But also 
to really make that mark be something that's powerful and impactful and helps people in the world really, really get what they need to. I, I can just sense that, you know, you have that at the heart of you, that you want to be that person that really has made a difference. It's one of the things that I really do appreciate about millennials. Millennials will absolutely tell you that they care more about making an impact than they do about how much they make. And I admire that about them. I appreciate that. Um, and I know that a lot of you listening, what really matters to you is what good are you doing in the world? And we want to help you share that good. We want to help you really thrive in what you're doing, to live a great life, and to really then share those things in your life, both the struggles you've been through as well as the victories with the world to help make our world a better place. And the place to start that, of course, is in our group, bestsellersguild.com. It'll help you begin to frame your story in such a way. And it doesn't have to be the forever story. It doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all, great American novel. It could simply be, what is the conversation today? What conversation do I want to have for the next three months, six months, maybe a year with the people that I'm meant to serve? And if it changes, that's okay. The thing that doesn't change is our desire to be able to really, truly meet people's needs. I want that for you. I, I, I want you to know that feeling of what it feels like to thrive. And I want you to know that you are uniquely brilliant. You were created, as, as uh, my good friend says, you were created on purpose with a purpose. Thank you, Tia Ross, for that statement. The world needs you. You are uniquely brilliant, created for a purpose, and the world needs you. Please know that Kathy and I are here to help you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur, to do the things that you can do to take good care of yourself so that in all that you do, every day you're thriving, you're showing up at the best that you can show up that day to really bless the world with all that you are. Until next week, I hope that you will have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. 
now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.